Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, a Breaking Bad recap episode. We are up to the eighth episode of season five, gliding over all the mid-season finale. One of the most, uh, well, Nick said it last week, underrated episodes maybe, because, uh, I mean, it's a great episode, people talk about it, but it never really gets talked about as much as it should, because it really is a pretty fucking epic episode of Breaking Bad. Uh, it first aired on the 2nd of September 2012. It was written by Moira Wally Beckett, directed by our bestie Michelle McLaren. And lots to unpack in this one. I've already said, said it a few times last week. I'll say it again right now. There's four potential top five moments. I'm just saying right now, this is a, a big one. My name is Ben. And what do you know about the Czech Republic? <laughs> My name's Nick and uh, you and your stuff here. Oh, Sorry. I'll make sure it's loose. You just get me so hard. What? Um, what do you know about the Czech Republic, Nick? Do you know anything? or just? Um, I'm trying to think. Of, normally it's football. That's normally where I go to, but I don't even know very much about that because I'm, I'm in my head already confusing Czech Republic and Croatia. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Luka Modric, but he's, uh, he's Croatia. I, I'm pretty sure they're now officially known as like Czechia, aren't they? Didn't they change their name? No, nah, so they used to be Czechoslovakia, and now yeah, it's I knew Czech, that. Czech Republic and Slovakia split into two countries. Oh, I knew, I knew that, but I think like the Czech Republic, like recently, it says here like on Wikipedia, also known by its short form name Czechia, because I, I thought there was like a thing a year or two ago where they were literally like, no, we are now no longer the Czech Republic. We are Czech because people still call it Czechoslovakia. I know that. Like, well, you're wrong. That's not a country anymore. It's like people call it Yugoslavia. It's not Yugoslavia. It hasn't been Yugoslavia for a long time. Yeah. Um, it's Serbia, and then you've got Montenegro because they. Yeah. Anyway, geography. Welcome to the Oz Network. But um, I'd go to the Czech Republic. Well, Prague? Prague. Prague. Yeah. I mean, who yeah. wouldn't want to go to Prague? Yeah. I think one time I was planning on going to Europe because uh, it's on the bucket list, and I was doing my trip itinerary and it came down to the last two cities i was like okay vienna or prague and i think i basically put it on social media like going hey people have been to europe where should i go vienna or prague and everyone was like prague like don't go to vienna no one goes vienna go to prague I'm like, okay cool there it is so um yeah hello to all our czech i don't know if i've have I ever met someone from the czech republic i don't think so esther ladeka is from the czech republic and that's enough for me now, I don't know if you know, you know who that is, Nick, but... Um, I'm going to guess a Formula One racer. No, it's she's a, uh, a skier slash snowboarder. She created history in uh, Pyeongchang in 2018. She won a gold medal in both snowboard and in skiing, if you don't oh, mind. Okay. And uh, again, at the time of releasing this, obviously we've had the 2022 Olympics, so I'm hoping she's done it again. But um, she she's amazing. She's um, It was one of the most famous moments of those Olympics where she won the Super G... Uh, and just this shocked look on her face because everyone was like, holy fuck, like she's a world champion snowboarder who just does this event on the side and somehow she's won the gold. 
And Lindsay Vaughn, one of the greatest skiers of all time, had the famous quote afterwards when she was overheard saying, I just got beaten by a fucking snowboarder. Uh, <laughs> so... Brilliant. Esther Decker, uh, Queen Esther. But we're not here to talk about Esther Decker. I could do that for the next hour. We're here to talk about gliding overall. What an episode, Nick. I mean, holy crap, the the ending of this episode is iconic. Uh, the, there's a scene in the middle of this episode that's iconic. I've got two other ones to me which are iconic. Uh, and you said it. You said it last week. Underrated because I, I, I'm with you. Even looking at the ringers ranking of this, I'll spoil it right now, 13. I think this is a better episode than last week. And they had last week at number eight. And last week's episode is fantastic. This to me is a, a far superior episode because, God, you blink and you miss this episode is done because there's so much happening and you're just hooked on every single scene in this episode. And I said it last week too. I couldn't imagine having to wait a whole year with the cliffhanger that they give you in this episode. Like, holy fuck, you'll have to tell us what that was like next week. But um, besides one scene in this uh, episode, everything is perfect in this uh, episode. And I'm, I'm just getting overdone with the fly. Fuck off, fly. I don't want to see you again. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's, it's phenomenal. It's it's um, so much going on. It just feels like things. And um, I think probably if, if you were going to give a bit of um, criticism to Breaking Bad is that sometimes there's some slow episodes, you know, where it takes a while to kind of get into, you know, the story and what's going on and, and all of that. And I think that this is one of those ones that is definitely not in that category. It's just it's it, it's wall to wall action, you know, like just the whole thing just moves so fast. Um, and you know, like I think it's just this escalation. The other thing too is there's quite a bit of, um, I guess, kind of time lapse here as well which is interesting yeah. for a show so we kind of do get to kind of see some of that stuff um so yeah i think there's just there's so much going on and and a lot to talk about yeah the ringer sometimes they're on you know we're on the same page and sometimes we're not i'm definitely not on the same page here so the only other thing i want to say before we start is gliding overall through all through nature time and space as a ship on the waters advancing the voyage of the soul not life alone death many deaths i'll sing which is Walt Whitman's Gliding Overall. That is the poem which it's oh. named after. So so there you so, go. You're just getting smart on me, Nick. I <laughs> got an education during the week, so I'm just going to show it off. Okay? Yeah, no, no. Look at me. I went to school. Um, you know, got smart people on this show right now. One thing I'll say about The Ringer, 13th Gliding Overall, 14th Fly. I mean, fly way <laughs> too high, but yes, this episode is better than Fly. Thank you, The Ringer. Appreciate that. <laughs> Speaking of fly, we're going to fly at the beginning of this episode. Yippee! Um, I just love kind of Anakin walk. Skywalker. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Nick. What would you rather? Uh, I know the answer. You, you liked fly, didn't you? I would rather watch two hours of Jake Lloyd going, yippee, over fly. So uh, there you go. What was worse for the Star Wars universe, Ryan Johnson or Jake Lloyd? <laughs> Now, th- now there, there must be a podcast that goes into that, like yeah. you know. deconstructing the worst parts of Star Wars this week. Jake Lloyd versus Ryan Johnson, and then it would be this like Ahmed Best joins the conversation, you know, like- <laughs> featuring uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Who is the worst character? Is it Rose or is it Jar Jar Binks? Rose, that's the answer right there. Rose, um, Kimmy Jar Jar Binks any day of the week over Rose. I didn't see Jar Jar Binks leaning into kids Qui Gon going, "Isn't that what we're all here for? Love." Shut up. <laughs> Sorry, uh, still angry over it. Uh, but we're gonna fly at the beginning of this episode. Um, Todd comes in backpack wearing Todd. Um, 
very convenient for Todd. He's got a lot of stuff in his little backpack there. What's in Todd's backpack? Coming soon to the Oz Network's Patreon episode of the week. Probably something creepy <laughs> like some, you know, like used porn mag and like yeah. a, you know, a voodoo doll. Um, Tarantulas. Yeah. Um, so basically Todd has helped dispose of the car. So uh, Mr. Heckles from uh, Friends, there's our Friends reference. Uh, he's disposed of the car, uh, cubed it and everything along those lines. I got the car here with uh, Mike's body in it, so they got to dispose of it. And basically, uh, Walt's like, it had to be done. Jesse just happens to show up, and Jesse's like, "What are we going to do about uh, Mike's men? I think we should take a vote on it." And uh, Walt's just like, "Well, Mike's left, so there's no vote anymore. I'll do this myself." And uh, bye bye, Jesse. Uh, so is this the last scene these two have before the time lapse? It is, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So uh, this is the last time they speak for about three months. Uh, obviously, we have. Um, again, I'm just going to lump a few scenes in here because I feel there's big stuff that we talk about in this episode. But again, chime in if there's anything major you want to kind of talk about in these scenes. I was just going to say, like, um, just yeah, to um, to jump in that I, I did listen to the commentary on this one and um, some quite interesting stuff to talk about but we'll get there but um that isn't mike in 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 the boot it is or a trunk it is a it is a dummy um so yeah they couldn't they couldn't convince uh jonathan banks to get in the well i don't think that's true they just they just decided not to use jonathan banks and use a dummy so there you go they didn't couldn't afford to pay him that week basically isn't it a thing with like the screen actors guild that even if you play a corpse you technically get paid because you still get credited i think we talked a lot about that on lost that literally if they come back a week later and you even just see like a a a brief glimpse of their body they're credited right so like they would probably still have to credit jonathan banks although i don't does he still stay on the main credits cast for the rest of the season and he just appears as credit only i I didn't pay attention enough but um it would be interesting to see because you would get paid so i mean luke skywalker got paid for the force awakens i mean for fuck's sake he just mark hamill's his real name ben uh like he stood there on a cliff and he looked at Daisy Ridley. He probably made like more money in that once than you and I have made in our lives combined. All right to be Mark Hamill, right? Um, he was third don't, build in the Force Awakens, wasn't he? Don't mention being paid. That's the whole reason we've got season five A and five B yeah. contract <laughs> negotiation. So let's just let's just not even mention that. Sorry, don't mention the war. Um, <laughs> But uh, so after the credits, uh, we get naked Walt. We haven't had naked Walt. No, no, no tidy whities Walt, unfortunately, and no Walt bum. But uh, hey, cool. Uh, we get a bit of a shot of uh, seeing here that uh, uh, Leaves of Grass is sitting now in the bathroom. So every time that uh, Walt goes and takes a dump, he likes to read a bit of Walt Whitman. Who doesn't? You know, Monica Lewinsky did. That's what Bill did Clinton you? gave her. So right. we we went over that, I think. Do you never listen oh, yeah, to me, right. Nick? That's right. God that's right. We did. Um, we've got an interrogation scene here where obviously now that all of um, we're finding out that all of Gus's men are obviously going to be turning over here. We've got Dennis uh, in the in the lockup here and uh, trying to make a deal. Basically, you give all the information and he gets complete immunity. And we've got Hank and this like is this Christopher Walken like as a twenty five year old or something like this other guy sitting next to Hank? Like I don't know if you got a Christopher Walken vibe from him, but um, not the way he acts, just the way he looks. And basically Hank's like, no, I've got other guys I can talk to. I'm not making a deal with you. Fuck off, Dennis. Uh, (laughs) Kind of leaves. So obviously I kind of like the setup here knowing that clearly now that Mike's out of the picture and he's kind of being turned over, that all these guys are going to talk now. 
So this is obviously going to add to, I guess it's just there to go like, cool, if Walt's going to needlessly murder these people, there's a reason behind it. They're about to talk. So bad man, naughty. Um, Walt meets Lydia. Extra annoying this episode. But again, that's the point. I know. Laura Fraser does a good job. I, I love the look of Heisenberg, but like, does he not put more attention on himself? If I'm seeing a guy walking down the streets wearing a hat like this and sunglasses, I'm going to look at him more. I don't know if that's just me, but yeah, uh, no, I, just, I agree. I feel well, like he does. He almost does look like he, if he just had a stick with him, he just looked like a blind guy, you know? Like well, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. It was interesting because, like, on the commentary for this one, they had Laura, Laura Fraser was on it, so it's quite interesting like, listening to her talk in her Scottish, Scottish accent. accent. Um, and and then also um, they had the costume designer, which was and you know like, that's not someone you often hear about, so it was quite interesting to think about costume during this episode. Um, so yeah, and it was just quite interesting talking about you know the look for Lydia and um, you know like depending on what the scene was, that they have a slightly different look for her, and um, you know like it's all stuff that it's probably not you know you don't think of it as being that important, but you know you've got to you've got to um, be happy that there's a you know there's a lot of attention to detail put into the stuff so you know as a fan you're definitely gonna um get the benefit of that i feel that laura fraser would be somebody i like like i'd like to watch an interview with her or kind of hear something because i just don't like the character but i just feel like she would be an interesting person it's kind of like um uh what's her name phoebe waller bridge who right you know like i can't stand her in solo as that stupid robot droid right like terrible and when i found out that like she was the writer like joining no time to die and she did whatever that other tv show was that she was brought in for that i'm like oh like god she's gonna turn no time to die terrible and i love no time to die so i was like okay and i've seen i like listened to an interview with phoebe waller bridge about bond and I'm like, i really like her because she like obviously was a big bond fan and she was like i would be writing the movie and going no that's too roger moore i can't do that so i need to do this and like it was just I like it when she obviously got the franchise a little bit more rather than just like, oh, I was brought in because I played a droid on Star Wars. You know what I mean? So I feel that Laura Fraser would be somebody if I watched an interview with her, I would probably like her. Like, is she different? Like, when you hear her, like, not just because she's fully, I can imagine, thick Scottish accent, but... Well, I think it's the whole thing of like, yeah, this character is so, is so highly wound, you know, that um, it, it, there's there's no kind of fun or playfulness to the Lydia character at all by design. And so you're actually hearing Laura Fraser talk, who obviously is not wound up 100% of the time, um, you know, it's definitely, it's interesting. It definitely is interesting. Can I just say too, whenever you go to a restaurant, coffee shop, somewhere, you, you're meeting someone, do you ever just kind of glance around and look at other tables and go, I wonder if they're doing like a dodgy deal, like, oh, like, you know, they've got like a bag next and they're kind of doing a drop. Like, I don't know. Is that just me? Like, I just kind of like to pick out like, you know, crowd, like who's doing the dodgy deal, trying to be incognito here while the cops might be watching. Yeah, I think um, I, I often think about like shops that I go through and it's like, you know, some convenience store or it's like there was one down the road from my house and it was like, a, you know, like, you know, you go and get like a roast dinner or something there, you know, mm. like it's a takeaway roast dinner and it's like a massive shop and it's always empty. And I was like, this is surely a front for some kind of criminal <laughs> enterprise because like it's too big, it's too empty, like it's all just there to kind of, you know, like have a legitimate business front you know whenever you see like a black van or like you know a, a florist truck you're like oh yeah yeah I don't know what's in there come on what's going on um so walt meets lydia here she he wants the list of lydia of the the nine people is it nine or eight it's nine isn't it yeah. um so and lydia's like oh they're all in my head i'm not going to give them to you because what's to say you're just going to kill me straight away and 
Walt's kind of like, well, I offered you my safety. And, like, as much as Lydia annoys the fuck out of me, I think she actually plays this really smartly right now because she's basically like, well, no, you swore on your children that you would not you would save me from Mike. You didn't say anything about you. So then she basically uh, puts a spill here about, like, hey, how about we go international? Um, I can get you some uh, your profit over in the Czech Republic. Um, she, what does she say? Like, 5% of the population of, like, 10 million. Now, my math is Bad. Just bear with me here. So that's, is that 500,000 people? So, and then she says, like, that's more than the southwest of the US. Now, I kind of call bullshit on that because, like, isn't Albuquerque alone half a million people? So, yeah. like, add Phoenix in there. Like, I know Vegas doesn't have a very good population, but there's still enough in there. Like, Texas is the southwest US and Texas, I mean, Dallas is the fourth biggest city in the US. Oh, no, sorry, Houston is, sorry, not Dallas. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know about this line. <laughs> That's more than the southwest US. She should have just said Albuquerque there because I feel like that would have uh, made more sense. But she's essentially saying that Fring was going to do this because uh, Walt's like, well, if this is such a good deal, why didn't Fring do it? And she's like, well, he agreed to it, but then someone killed him. And it's like, oh, okay, drop Mike Lydia. So yeah. Yeah, I say drop Mike, Ben. It's, it's really inappropriate. <laughs> um, and then Lydia's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Walt's like, I'll do it. He Walt quotes Mike. Learn to take yes for an answer. Great sort of parallel there. And Lydia leaves. And then we find out that uh, Walt was about to kill Lydia. Well, Lydia gives the names, of course, I should say, to Walt. And uh, Walt's got this uh, ricin back. Remember the ricin? Uh, He's got it and uh, was about to kill Lydia. Might be a bit of foreshadowing for what we're going to get in about eight episodes time. So maybe remember that. But, um, I mean, again, like... This is not a scene that this episode is known for, but I, I really like it. I just kind of like this sort of business deal. It's kind of setting it up for the rest of the season that these two kind of work together, even with these people that are about to be off in just a moment. But, um, yeah, I can't stand Lydia, but Lydia's kind of good in this scene in the fact that she's annoying as fuck, but she's right in everything that she's saying right now. Yeah, totally. And I think it kind of just like we're kind of just getting the setup for, you know, like, Walt should now be completely free of, you know, obviously got rid of Frank last season. Um, you know, he's now gotten rid of Mike. So like there's, there's no shackles anymore. Like he can just do whatever he wants to do. And um, I think you kind of want to see that, right? Like, I think it's not enough to just say it. I think you actually want to be able to see that. Um, so I really appreciate that, that we're, we're actually going to get to see some of that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's really, really good. It's, it's great setup. Um, and the thing about it is I think I use that word a lot when we talk about setup, 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 but actually we're going to see the payoff for it immediately, you know, which is good. Like it's in this oh, episode yeah. really. So, um, you know, it, it's not, you know, long drawn out setup. It's actually really interesting. So, and, and pays off quickly. So yeah, I, I, I think it's great. Which is because we're about to get very much into one of the, the top five moments of this episode, one of the most famous scenes, which, again, like, the thing that I love about this episode is that you know what you're going to get, but some of them just, they feel like they come out of, I don't say out of nowhere, but, like, there's not a build-up. Like, Fring getting his face blown off, there's the build-up. There's kind of him walking to the nursing home with the music behind him, and you kind of know something's about to happen, right? Like, there's these famous scenes where something's about to happen, you feel it. Whereas this, it's kind of just like, Oh, right. We're at that scene already. Like, sweet. Cool. And I think, like, every... That's what I love about this episode, that all the iconic scenes are all kind of just connected by just the fact that they happen so suddenly, and that that makes it more effective. So, Walt gets his rice and puts it back behind the uh, power point here, the power outlet, which, again, is important. That's uh, something we need to remember. Um, He makes a phone call to Todd. It's like, I think it's time we meet your uncle. So we're in a random hotel room, a dingy uh, hotel room, and we meet for the first time 
Todd's uh, uncle and gang, and they're obviously here involved in the fact that they're going to, uh, they're the ones involved in prison. So they're going to be able to kill all the guys in prison, essentially. Uh, they're, they're trying to formulate the plan, and they're essentially saying, like, nah, this can't be done. Got this great moment where Walt's staring at this painting, which, of course, is at, what season was it, one or two, where it's you've got? The, yeah, it's the second episode, I think. Is it? That far back? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the painting where it's sort of the family waving to a boat on the shore. And I just, I love Walt here. We're just kind of like, where do you think these come from? Do you think they've just got a warehouse of these things all over the place ready to go? And sort of, uh, you know, the uncle's kind of clicking his fingers like, hey, you're listening to us. You know, this is not possible the way you want to do it. I just fucking love the way Walt plays this. This is such an underrated scene. Just kind of like Walt just kind of looks. And, like, you look at these guys. They're covered in tats. They look like bad dudes. Like, you should be scared of these dudes. And you've got kind of diminutive, bald, middle-aged guy in his, like, little thing. He should be cowering in his boots. He would be in season one. He just kind of looks over and he's just like, no, it can be done exactly how I want it to be done. And you will find a way. And just kind of like godfathers the shit out of this. And you're like, whoa, okay. And then that's kind of it. I Look, I just want to say this now about sort of Todd's uh, uncle and crew. Like, these are the characters in this show that you hate. Like, I feel that like all the bad people in the show, you kind of almost weirdly like them because they're kind of like, you're not meant to be. I mean, Fring, for example, but like Tuco and like the Salamancas, like you can kind of almost like, they're so like... These dudes are so evil beyond the fact that they're evil that there's nothing redeeming that. And you know what sells that home, Nick? They're Nazis. They are white supremacists. They have a swash sticker tattooed on them. And, like, I kind of cringe a little bit because I'm kind of like, oh, how can you make these people the most evil people make them Nazis? Like, it's kind of like, ugh, like they went that route. But at the same time... It's kind of the, is that the only thing you could do? Maybe make them pedos. Like, I mean, like, that, add some things where, like, not, like make them, we were talking about it off air, John Wick, they killed a puppy. Straight up, oh, fuck, no, we hate these guys. We're never going to like them. But, like, they're so irredeemable. And it's like, I guess the one thing I'll say, though, like, you don't ever see them really go out of their way to be Nazis, do you? Like, it's not like we've got a scene of them going, oh, this is why I agree with Hitler. Like, it's kind of like you just need to see a swash sticker on them. You're like, okay, well, they're fucking Nazis. They're pricks. So, um, yeah, but, like, I don't know if you feel that way about these guys, and I guess this is the point. Like, you never, ever remotely, even remotely like these guys. And I think, I just want to say this, I think that's what makes them great final season baddies because they kind of get introduced late. They're kind of the final big bad that we're going to get in the final scene. But, like, it's kind of good to have completely irredeemable. If you say Fring for the end, and like as I said last season, you could end Breaking Bad on the season on face-off and you would be satisfied with it. But I still would be like, oh, Fring died. I like Fring. No one likes these guys. So, like, you kind of get their comeuppance at the end. And the complexity of Todd, which makes him so good that he's related to these guys, and you kind of see how he's kind of weirdly nice but a prick. But anyway, I love this scene. Underrated scene in an underrated episode. And we meet, obviously, pretty prominent characters here for the very first time. Um, Yeah, it's really funny. First, I've got to say that I... I the the Uncle Jack character is one I'm always a little bit uncomfortable about solely because I actually know somebody that reminds me looks wise of, of <laughs> I was Uncle Jack. You know him. <laughs> yeah, it's like every time I see Uncle Jack, it's like, oh, it reminds me of this person that I know. And it's like who I like, you know, and, and so <laughs> it, it, it does crack me up. Um, but I, I think um, you make a really good point. And it, it, it's funny because it, 
it just works. Like I, I don't yeah. really know how else to say it. It just kind of works. And you, I never really think too much about, oh, this is kind of cliched nonsense. You know, like, of course, if you've got a problem, you, you're going to bring in Nazis. And, you know, like it just it never really bothers me. I'm always quite comfortable with it. Um, yeah, because I think, like you say, it's end of end of season. Um, you know, you kind of don't want kind of lovable heroes at the end, you know, anti-heroes or whatever. You know, like you kind of want people that you're going to, you're going to hate at the end. Um, so I think from that perspective, I think it works really, really well. I've, I've never really had a problem with it. I think, um, you know, and they've got the right look. Um, and, and you, yeah, you're right. It's not like they're going around going, you know, like, well, I love Hitler or whatever. You know, like it is, it is just. Oh, it's uh, like that quip, Nick. Clip of you just saying that. Can I isolate oh, like that clip? <laughs> 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 Nick, what do you think of Hitler? I'll just play it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, it's not something I've ever ever really had a problem with. I think they just they just work. Um, and I think you know, like because because of the story we're about to see, they need to have those connections inside of prisons and all that kind of stuff. And so to kind of sell the story, you need the right kind of people, I think. And and, and they fit the bill as far as I'm concerned. And it's kind of like last week when I mentioned with that sort of scene with Todd where you kind of don't realise that this is kind of a domino sliding doors moment. This is, again, another one of those moments of, like, if Walt never meets these guys, then, you know, he's maybe home and hose for the rest of this, the, the show. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But going back to my point where, like, kind of these iconic scenes kind of just almost come out of nowhere. There's no real build-up. And we're going to get to this prison shanking scene. Holy fuck. So, like, Walt's just chilling in his house. Um, looking at his watch and kind of, again, it's, it's similar to what we've said about how there's still a bit of Walt in him, isn't there, right? Like just, um, you know, because you can tell he's clearly like nervous about this and kind of it, it's affecting him slightly. And we just get this amazing montage essentially uh, to the great song of Pick Yourself Up by Nat King Cole, Cole and George Shearing I'm seeing here where all of our nine guys are getting shanked. So the, the big ones we're going to see here is Dennis and uh, the lawyer guy, Dan, uh, pretty brutal, like holy fuck! Like it's it's kind of a bit of a tried and tested trope now. When you've got the, I guess the the happy go lucky song with something brutal happening, it reminds me of um we did Face Off many years ago. Is it Smile? They're doing that when you've got like the murder scene happening. Everyone's getting killed off in uh, Face Off, and uh, they're playing like a happy song. So this is you know pick yourself up, and everyone's just getting like murdered brutally. There's stabbings going on. They're being pushed over the uh, the top of the cliff. You keep cutting to Walt. He's kind of just looking at his watch and looking nonchalant. There's blood dripping everywhere. And uh, Colin, if you're still with us, uh, I'm just going to say this now. Your favourite scene in all of Breaking Bad involves poor old Dennis. He's in the uh, solitary confinement here or something like that. And essentially, he's covered in gasoline and set alight. And as we know anything about Colin, he loves watching people burn alive. So, uh, <laughs> Colin's getting off on this scene. He's fucking loving Dennis the Menace getting burnt to death here. Um, and through all of this, we got a close-up of uh, Walt's, of course, cool little uh, Rolex. And then uh, I like the little moment where Hank's getting his photos taken with the local girls' cheerleader squad or the T-ball team. I don't know who they are. Um and he's obviously getting the phone call saying, um, yeah, something's happening in the prisons. You better hurry up. And the end, we get a phone call with, it's done. And then that's it. I mean, I've marked it down as a top five. I fucking love this scene. It's iconic. It's great. Heisenberg's an absolute prick at this point now, as he's often been. He's tried to kill a kid, but he's just murdered nine prisoners for the sake of murdering in the space of, what, like two minutes, essentially. So, uh, I mean, again, if this was any episode with nothing else happening around it, no other great scenes, this episode is great already just based on this because you're like, fuck, 
What a badass. What a prick. Everything else. But yeah, great moment. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it is just such a, such a, um, a, a great little montage. And I think this is the, this is the montage episode where you kind of get lots of information dropped in these montages, which are, which are really, really cool. The, the commentary on this part was really interesting because um, you get the, the music was inspired basically because Vince Gilligan apparently listens to like forties music on a, on the forties <laughs> radio or something. And he heard this, he's like, oh, I've got to use it for something. Um, so yeah, I think that that's quite funny, but um, I love the kind of talking about, um, how they kind of filmed this and basically they had like a you know like a disused prison or whatever it was and so you know this was all shot in the same prison and and basically this is where the kind of costume designer was talking about you know that we had different parts of the prison were kind of sectioned off and we shot one part here and one part here so it looked like different prisons um but we put them in different colored jumpsuits and things like that so that it, you really do have the feel of it being different prisons even though it's all the same place um so i think just listening to kind of how it was shot was um was was really interesting um and yeah i think it's a really effective way i mean there are all sorts of different ways you could have done this but i just i really really like it i like that it's not Although I do love the whole sharpened toothbrush stabbing thing, I think it's quite, you know, because it's a kind of the it's the cliche way of kind of a prison shanking, isn't it? But I love the kind of, um, you know, that they pour the, the gasoline into the, you know, the burning alive. I think that's really good, and um, you know, you kind of get that kind of close up of one guy kind of lying like face up on a bench, and you just see like mm. the puddle of blood underneath them. I think it's, um, yeah, they just they they pack up as any good montage should. They pack a lot of really really valuable information into a short space of time. Um, and so you get lots of really good stuff that's that's interesting to watch and, and advances the story. And yeah, the cutbacks to Walt are, are, are perfect. You know, they do such a good job of that in terms of the the watch and just him looking out the window and and then the kind of phone call saying it's done. You know, I think it's just it's it's yeah. I mean, I'd be very supportive of trying to get this into our top five. I don't know how successful we'll be when we get there, but yeah, I love everything about Tricky. it. I think it's just so good. Yeah, and I, like it's interesting you say about like the the costume designer. I watched a video recently. It was just a random YouTube one, and it was about uh, kind of like making certain streets or like you know exteriors into say like a scene from a, the nineteen forties or things like that. And they visited like a it was a, it was based in New York, so they visited like a, a a woman's. She was at Academy. I can't remember her name. She'd been nominated for like costume uh, set design, and her whole warehouse was just like. So this is the section of old telephone boxes. So if I've got a scene from the 50s, here's a 1950s. And then she's like got a, a whole shelf of like, these are old boxes of cereal. So here's the 1950s cereal and a 60s cereal and a 70s. And it's just, it was incredible. Like it just, it's amazing. And I, I love those kind of behind the scenes things where people in Hollywood and not just Hollywood, it's not just America, obviously, you know, New Zealand. Uh, there's that famous uh, place you can visit in Wellington where they've got all the, the movie props and everything from uh, lots of places. I, I nearly did it one time when I went to Wellington. Um, it's, just, it's just fascinating because, like, you think about, like, some of these movies have, like, a five-second exterior shot of a street, but because it's in the 1940s, you've got to make it look realistic. It takes them weeks to just do something that's a five-second shot. So, like, this is, what, a, a two-, three-minute montage, but the amount of effort they would have had to go through to, to make it look, you know, different and everything, it's just it's incredible. These people are very smart people out there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it's 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 really really good, and I think, like I say, I I think it's you see a lot of montages and films and 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 TV shows, and it, you know, it's it's a, obviously a shorthand way of trying to get to a point, but it's only effective if it actually pushes the story forwards. And this is probably yeah. one of the most effective kind of montages I've seen because it does just that. It gives you so much information in such a short space of time. 
Speaking of montages, we basically go from one to another because, again, this is another one of those that sneaks up on you because I always forget how you get to this montage. Um, Walt's chilling at uh, Hank and Marie's playing with uh, Holly and there's a news report sort of saying, like, oh, we're still investigating this. And then Marie's sort of like, oh, like, uh, you should probably get out of here. Hank's coming home. He's a bit grumpy. Uh, so Hank walks in and I love Marie's like, oh, I'm going to make the chicken you like. What do you want to get Chinese? It'll be ready in an hour. And Hank just sort of walks in limping around and, and Walt's just like, oh, I'm about to go. And uh, Hank's just like, you want a drink? And this, you know, the rocks, right? Pause drink. And again, I think we've talked about this before. I'd love to be just one of those people who comes home, gets a bottle of spirits and pours it down and just fucking sits there and drinks it like a man. Like, that's what a man does, Nick. Just drinks fucking scotch straight from the bottle. Just, uh, I'm just not that guy. I want to be, but I can't. Um, and then Hank's got this great little speech where he's just like, um, yeah, I've been thinking about this job I used to do. Basically, I went around and marked trees with orange spray paint and they would go around and chop them down. He's like, I just wanted to do it to get some beer money. Um, and he's like, you know, I think about that job a lot. You know, marking trees is a lot easier than uh, catching the bad guys, uh, which is um, it's pretty pretty awesome line. Uh, and then what, what does Walt say here when he like transitions into this like cool little bit when he flips his head down and kind of goes into the um, the chasing monsters? Sorry, that's what Hank says. Uh, and then, um, Walt's, is this where he says something about camping? Like, oh, I, I miss, I uh, used to love going camping and kind of, you see him like lean down to drink his, uh, scotch and then it kind of goes back up. Weird cut, but like, it's, it's very breaking bad, very effective. And then we get my favorite cooking montage of all time. I love this. I love this song. And like, I've marked this down. This won't make the top five at the end of the season, just like Bonfire won't. But like, I still, I love, just, I love this song, Crystal Blue Persuasion by Tommy James and the Shondells. And this is a, what, a three month passage of time, essentially. So through all of this, we're seeing Todd and Walt cooking. We're seeing lots of money drops between Jesse and, uh, sorry, between Walt and Lydia. We're seeing planes flying over to Czech Republic. Lydia barreling the drugs into barrels of, chemicals uh skylar laundering the money uh we've got soul having a drink getting his money um we got um the counting the money walt kind of looking like he's getting tired of it because he's just constantly sitting there looking a bit like uh you know disheveled and my favorite i don't know why this is my favorite of all the montage i love the overhead shot of the houses where you've kind of just got these uh shots of all the tented houses how much work they're doing and just this song, Crystal Blue Persuasion. It's been stuck in my head like every single time I watch this. I just love it. I just love the passage of time. I just love it. It's just, it's simple to the point montage storytelling. Montages can be used terribly sometimes. We're like, that's a wasted. Why have they done that? But this is just a, per- you were saying about the perfect use of montage. This to me is a perfect use of montage. Three months down the track, he's making a shit ton of money. Very shortly, we're about to see him. He's basically going to retire from the business. Like, it's just, it's simple, simple storytelling that makes complete sense and it works. I love it. So good. And the song is just perfect. Yeah, I mean, like, how could you not use this song at some point in the show? Uh, if you know about it, you want to use that show, uh, use that song because it's just perfect for for the show. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, again, yeah, totally agree that, you know, it, it, it fits perfectly with the um with the whole story of kind of you know giving information through a montage and there's been so many good ones on the show cooking montages especially but um we've never been able to get them into a top top five and that i've always had a bit of a regret about that and if, if any of them's going to make it this will be the one i think but even <laughs> then i think it's going to be a you know it, it's going to be a stretch because it is just yeah it's 
it's so, it's going to be so hard. But yeah, it is. It's really good to kind of give that passage of time and it's always a bit confusing on the show around passage of time. You know, we've talked about that before, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's really good. It kind of gives a scale, you know, when you get the shots of the planes and things like that. And, you know, the kind of vacuum pack meth going into barrels of whatever that, can, you know, chemical is that they kind of go into. Um, I think it's really good. Just seeing like the money pile up. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's great. I, it's again, like it's always helpful listening to the commentary because you hear things that you otherwise wouldn't know. And basically same things like, you know, that the plane shots were kind of stock footage you know they didn't go out and actually film planes and that shot of Walt in the shower is actually one that they stole from earlier on you know so it's not a, a new shot that they've kind of used that again that they used previously I think um, and I only noticed that because I always I think oh the attention to detail of having the kind of the, the scar from a surgery mm. I always really like that and it makes sense of why that was still there if it had been from an earlier scene um, but yeah I, I just really appreciate it I, I think it's really really good the other kind of you know I, I like how you talk about that kind of um, the opening transition shot where it's basically what kind of puts his head down and comes back up and he's in his suit the other one I really like is kind of Skylar puts down a mug of coffee and it gets picked up and it's you know Lydia picking up a cup of tea yeah. um, I think is really clever too and they talked about you know having to kind of match their um, nail polish or something to kind of make that work um so yeah i think just the attention to detail to kind of make this work you know like this is a you know you know, two minute scene maybe um and it actually you know it, it must have taken so much time to put this together but you know time well spent i think it is it is really really effective and the thing that we're going to see with this is because we kind of um this whole episode of the three three of the scenes i've marked as the top five kind of goes like Short bit, top five. Short bit, top five. Short bit, top five. Because we're basically basically about to have this once again. Uh, so Skylar is this time around. She's um, got Holly. Uh, Holly's kind of sort of walking and she wants to watch a movie with um, Walt Jr. But he's buggering off with uh, What's-His-Face. So um, Marie just kind of has this bit of a chat, basically. This is where we learn it's been three months. She's like, oh, you know, uh, you're doing better. Good to see you smiling. Like, hey, why don't you have the kids back? <laughs> It's like, uh, you know, maybe it's time to think that, you know, like enabling this, you've got to stop the enabler. It's great. It's a great line from Marie to kind of have that there. And then Skylar comes home to Walt. Walt's just chilling by the pool as you do. And then uh, Skylar's just like, take a drive with me. And we get uh, a very famous shot, the photo of, uh, there's always, I see the screenshot of uh, Skylar and Walt kind of standing in front of this massive pile of money. And essentially Skylar's saying like, look, this, I, there was way too much for me to have at the car wash. I, I rented this out. I protect it by spraying it for silver fish and making it dry. I've stopped counting it. There's just too much. I would weigh it, but like, I, there's so many different money. Um, and <laughs> so you're like, how much is enough Walt? And like, basically like there's more money here that we can spend in 10 lifetimes. And like, Walt's just got a boner for this. Walt's just like, holy fuck. Um, and I just, I just love this scene. Like I just love Skylar here basically saying like, like when, when, how big does this pile have to be? When is enough enough? And I've marked this down as a top five. There is literally another scene in this episode which I wanted to mark as a top five just because I love it as well. But, I mean, again, probably won't make it, but this is a pretty famous scene just on the screenshot alone. I think I've used that as our image this week on our episode. But um, just, again, like putting that like putting it into context so Walt can literally see this. I mean, there's hundreds of millions of dollars sitting right in front of him here right now. And Skylar's just like, like, like when is enough enough? Like, when are you going to stop? And ultimately, that's going to lead us into a, a bit in just a moment. But um, just, yeah, I, I love this scene. And, and Anna Gunn, like, again, she almost feels in the back seat a little bit in the last couple of episodes. But she, every time she's on the screen, she's amazing. And again, as I've constantly said, I love kind of Skylar's arc. And this is just her way. She's kind of a bit better now. 
she's, you know, kind of accepting it a little bit more and she's getting that opportunity to literally be like, like, when is enough enough? Well, come on. Like, he's $500 million in front of us. Do you want $501 million? Like, come on. When's enough enough? Yeah. And and I think that's really effective at kind of, you know, like it made me think back to that, you know, your favorite episode of Fly, you know, like of, <laughs> of that, you know, where he kind of, Walt says he kind of missed that perfect moment to kind of stop and, you know, where he could still be, you know, get, get what he needed, which was the money, um, but still you know, not lose the respect of his family. And he's gone past that point. And then also the moment of, you know, um, you know, Mike saying, take yes for an answer. Um, and so you've got it here, this opportunity where he can actually now, you know, potentially he's, he's got all the money he's ever going to need. He's achieved what he's needed to achieve. Um, you know, this is the time to get out. Like there is an opportunity to get out here. And so he, he can do it if he wants to. And, and I think probably now that he's not having to try and impress Jesse and impress Mike and all that kind of thing, he's got complete control. I think it is a really interesting kind of, you know, like moment here for him to actually you know, think about that. And it, it, yeah, so I, I really, really love it. I think, and like you say, it's one of those ones that's, that's really famous in terms of the kind of still shot. Um, and, and for obvious reasons, it is really effective. Um, and yeah, I think kind of, we get later on is that, um, the, but apparently kind of like the, the production assistant or whoever was in charge of the, the props guy, or whatever, basically tried to work out how much money there would be. And we kind of find out later on on the show that we're looking at about $80 million roughly here. Oh, is that all? Kind of what Not the, 500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like the, I love the kind of behind the scenes stuff about having to kind of count and, and be accountable for every single note that they take. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the prop is, you know, like it's a big box in the middle and they've kind of built it around. So it's not entirely all that. But, um, yeah, I do love that story that, you know, when you want to have fake money, you have to be accountable for it because, you know, it, it could still be counterfeited because they make it look very real. So I always do love that kind of story when you hear about money on, on shows like this. So but, American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, I, I'm right with you. I, I really, I love this scene. Um, I and and, and Skylar's kind of thing about you know when is enough enough. I think is really really effective. I think um, we're kind of at that point now where Walt has an opportunity to kind of to get out potentially, and you know like is this maybe his last chance to get out? You know, is he, you know, is he thinking about oh I have an opportunity here to actually get out of this and and move on with my life and and essentially get away with this? You know, is there an opportunity here now? Um, and so I like that it's kind of all laid out there for the viewer to kind of consider that. Which I always remember that I can't remember what episode it is in we get in the future where it's like um Bill Burr and Huel laying on this money and that's yeah. kind of like a um a famous like meme I think that kind of got sent around as well. Uh, so again, a couple of little well, one little scene again going into another scene which I haven't marked down as the top five, but I wouldn't ever be opposed to it to be mentioned. So pretty, it's kind of a blink and you miss it important scene where basically uh, Walt's getting a cancer scan. Um, yeah. it's kind of just it's there and it's like oh, okay. Let's remember he has cancer. And then another little moment, which I, I kind of want to question it in a weird way, but it's a cool little throwback. So when he's looking in the mirror and he sees the um, the silver box that he punched earlier on, was that season three, season two? Um, and the only thing I've got to question is this hospital didn't fix this. They just left it. <laughs> like it's been at least six months, maybe more. I don't know. Uh, but like surely they would have fixed this. Um, and then this great scene between Jesse and Walt. So Walt shows up to Jesse's house. And uh, poor old Jesse's fallen asleep with a cigarette in his hand, burning it. And kind of, we see <laughs> Jesse's kind of, I don't want to say he's regressed. Like, I mean, he's obviously back on the pipe. He's smoking. He's got some alcohol, but he's by by no means like addicted. Like, he's obviously just a bit depressed and kind of a bit lost. 
and um, sort of Jesse hides his bong essentially. But I, I love I love just this sort of speech where kind of you know just invites Walt in and Walt's just like I was in the neighborhood and they just kind of have this cool little speech about like hey saw one of our Winnebago's the other day oh yeah like you know remember the time we broke down and ran out of fuel yeah that was good times we had money why didn't we end up buying another one like you know what's going on here like it's just a kind of a nice little and this is if i'm not mistaken i've said this a few times this is like their last ever positive scene is it not like yeah i I think so yeah this is this and this is why like i just again if this episode wasn't so stacked like i just this is just a great scene between these two because it's also yeah it's kind of important to think this is almost the last time these two will ever be civil with each other ever I mean, they sort of, I guess, have a little moment in the finale where they're kind of civil with each other, but, you know, we'll get to that. And then Jesse's basically like, oh, I'm busy, you should go. And Walt's like, oh, I've left something for you, by the way. And then we see big bag of money and poor old Jesse looks at it and he kind of has a bit of a panic moment. We sort of really slumps down on the ground again. Not a very big Jesse episode. Um, but Aaron Paul, again, knocks it out of the park with just kind of one little scene when he also has got the gun as well. And it goes back to last episode with the whole notion of blood money. Um, so, yeah, I, I love this scene. It's just sadly we've got other ones in this episode which are great. Unless, I mean, you know, put it down and put it on the list just for the sake of having it on the list, I guess. But, um, yeah, great, great scene between these two. Yeah, I think so. And and like you say, I think it's probably there to kind of almost cap a moment that this is going to be it for these two guys in terms of, you know, getting along. That from from here on out, you know, without spoiling too much, it's it's going to be nasty between these two. Um, and so yeah, I think that it is just a moment to kind of just reflect on that. It's not a show that kind of um, is particularly self-indulgent I don't think it's not one that wants to wallow in its own history and things like that I think it's just a moment to really kind of cap this and also just do that kind of narrative thing of kind of him getting that money Jesse getting that money I think is important um you know as a narrative device um you know we, we wouldn't be the show we are if we didn't mention that that rocking t-shirt that he's got as oh, well terrible <laughs> I loved his leather jacket last week but when we go back to like druggy Jesse I don't I don't know too much about this sort of gold like I'm, I'm not opposed to some foil gold on a t-shirt, but not when it looks like this. Like it's, it's, it's a bit, you know, yeah. But I also, I also will say I like kind of how this play into this Jesse character and the fact that this Jesse character, Jesse character, where like he's still just living by his means. He's got his sound system. He's just sitting there having a smoke. He's kind of in this sort of. I mean, he's he's a multi-millionaire. I mean, I realize he didn't have the money beforehand, but I'm sure he still got some money. Um, but he just kind of just lives his average life. Like I guess it's a case of not flaunting it, but it's just kind of jesse you know like it's sort of it it's how it is um then uh, again what i also love about this episode as well is that you don't probably realize you've only got about five minutes left of this episode at this point and you're kind of thinking like well they've got to end this on something and like the way this cliffhanger builds up is just it's epic because again it goes back to my point about how there's no real build-up it just kind of comes out of nowhere and like holy fuck so walt goes to skylar says i'm out i'm done we're good like this is it i'm, I'm officially done so how we're going to celebrate that we get a nice little family scene like everyone's all you know hanging around the pool walt jr's pushing holly around and uh kind of say again i'm not one for this people are going to laugh at this haha ben's saying something kind of funny which doesn't tie into this joke we make of it not really one for children um uh, but like this little holly is very cute just yes, saying yeah like very very cute i, I was going to mention that a couple of weeks ago but um very cute little baby and I kind of like this little Walt pushing her around on this little uh, truck thing. Um, I like the kind just, of GoPro attached to the to the, um, yeah. the trolley thing as well. Eh? It's pretty cool. 
I do like that. Um, and then just having a conversation, chilling, uh, Hank, Marie, uh, Skylar and Walt. I like there's like a random little pony on the table if you look there. They've had a barbecue. They're having a good old day. And then uh, Hank's basically like, oh, going to go to the bathroom, grab a drink for anyone, uh, need anything, cool. So uh, then we basically get the most famous taking a dump scene in all of television. Uh, so Hank needs to take a dump. Of course he does. He doesn't need to say like, oh, number one or number two this time around. Um, sits on the sits on the toilet as you. I don't think you usually have these anymore because generally people have their phones now to read on the toilet. But I remember you go to somebody's house and I'd always take a magazine with me when I took a dump. Like why not? Like women always question this. Can I just say this? As a man, we don't sit down when we go to. We, why are we talking about toilets again? We always do this on the show on, on Breaking Bad. But like as I said, I think a couple of weeks ago, we don't sit down when we go to the bathroom as men. We stand up, whip it out, piss, we're done. When we're sitting down, it's a big deal, right? We're going to take our time, right? So we're going to read something. It's 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 private time. It's probably the only time as a human being you get full privacy is when you're sitting on the toilet. You want to be not disturbed. You want to read a magazine, sure. So uh, Hank's gone through the magazines. I was like, I don't know, Bed Homes and Gardens. Doesn't want to read that. Woman's Weekly, no, nah, not my bag. So then he picks up. And again, not that I believe that Hank's going to read Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass, but hey, even I would probably look at that book and go, oh, what's this? And I'm dumb remember so uh hank's looking at it flicking through it okay yep sweet awesome uh this is looking good and then he decides to start from the beginning because hank's intrigued hank wants to read this from the very beginning and uh what does he see at the very beginning he sees this inscription to my other favorite ww it's an honor working with you fondly gb to which all of a sudden hank has this flashback moment of the the famous moment when he's basically uh talking to walt about the WW, who do you think that could be? You know, Willy Wonka, uh, Walt Whitman, uh, not Walt Whitman, um, uh, Woodrow Wilson, thank you, uh, Walter White, you got me. And then kind of you zoom in on his look, he's looking up, plot twist, Hank's worked it out, Walt is WW, he's Heisenberg, uh-oh, cliffhanger, boom, end. Watch Breaking Bad in 12 more months. Um, it's like... It's so good and effective because, again, there's no build-up to this. We've basically had no Hank in this episode at all. It's not like we've got a whole episode of Hank's like, oh, I'm nearly there. I've nearly got him. I just need one more thing. Like, you kind of almost forget that Hank's doing this because he's basically just been like, oh, fuck, all the ones in prison are dead. I'm going to have a drink. I tag trees. So you kind of almost completely forget that this is happening. So it's just an unassuming Hank taking a dump scene they kind of almost go, and this is a moment you always knew was going to happen. You always knew at some point in Breaking Bad, Hank was going to find out that Walt was Heisenberg. This is the fucking moment. I, even the flashback, I'm not a fan sometimes when TV shows think you're dumb, that you've got to have a flashback to remind you of something that happened. But I kind of think you need this here. Like, I, I weirdly think you kind of need this. Like, it's just a very unassuming narration and a bit of a flashback, but... So good. And, like, I would love to hear your story of this, Nick, of, like, what it was like watching this as a cliffhanger when you're watching this live because I was lucky enough that I didn't watch this live, so I just went straight into episode nine. Cool, let's find out what happens. Whereas I can't imagine what it was like waiting 12 months to fucking wait for this to be resolved. I don't think I had to wait quite 12 months. I think I was catching up. I think it was, like, maybe six months. Still. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, still still quite a lot. But, yeah, I wasn't quite watching in real time, but I was was watching the, the... the second half of season five in real time. But um, yeah, I think it's, um, it's such an effective cliffhanger when you think of, you know, like there's no bells or whistles to it. It's just a guy on a toilet um, yeah. just kind of like 
his facial reaction. And I think, you know, it's a shame in some ways that, you know, if you were to think of like one image from this episode, you probably think of the, you know, Walt and Skyler in front of the big stack of money is probably the one that people remember the most. But actually like just that look, you know, as, as oh, Hank God, kind of yeah. looks up from the book is just like he nails that kind of like, oh my God look. And, you know, like um, a lit- literally an oh shit moment, um, you know. And, and so it, it is really just, incredibly effective i think yeah but i mean there's so much going on in the scene and and um again like we talked about that scene just before of you know kind of like saying goodbye to the the walt and jesse getting the long angle that that's going to be gone now and, and this is our last kind of barbecue scene you know like we're gonna we've had so many of them and it's been such a cool part of the show and um and and all of a sudden it's it's going to be gone now and um i think kind of um the other thing that we kind of don't realize about this is that I don't know if it's included in the three months, but we kind of get a, a bit of a line in the next episode that kind of indicates that this is a month since Walt decided to get out. So it's been a month on from this. So I don't know if it's now four months, but you know, time has passed as well. And that's the other thing about, you know, the whole thing of, of Hank is that he's trying to catch this person and, and four months is, is not nothing. And, and, mm. you know, this kind of world. So um, yeah, I, I, I think it's just really, really effective. I love the kind of barbecue scene and I love the kind of that they managed to do this quite impressive it doesn't sound like it's that impressive but actually getting two pairs of people having two conversations over the top of each other to stop at the right time to then come together and have one conversation it's almost a bit of like dance choreography it's really impressive Um, you're kind of into both aren't you like you really can be into both without yeah yeah i don't know what they're fucking talking about around the table but like it's still nothing important i don't think it's just like general it feels natural yeah and then they kind of just stop and 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 it kind of comes to that and um yeah it's interesting again like the costume um designer was kind of talking about that there was a lot of kind of online intrigue about this and i guess probably it speaks to the point of you know there been a year so people are just picking the scene apart trying to find out exactly what it's about but that marie's wearing yellow in the scene you know and she's not a yellow wearer she's a purple wearer and you know people were like what's the meaning behind that and all that kind of so i think people just like grabbed onto the scene and were like we're going to find out any anything and everything we can about it um so yeah i think it's great um yeah i think that dean norris is acting here just that reaction shot is amazing um and yeah we that'll go into the next episode as well when we kind of get his, his you know immediate reaction after that as well i think reaction face dean norris nails it you know like in terms of yeah. he could just do the big kind of slack jawed you know jaw falls open you know but he's just really good it's just kind of just like you can almost see the cogs turning in his head of like oh my god is this actually a thing and and yeah and i think there's a lot happening there because it's not just which we'll get into in the second half of season five, but it's not just that he's finally found this person and it's somebody that's really close to him. It's actually the end of his career as well. And, you know, we kind of got this a little bit with his predecessor in the ASAC role of, you know, like was really close to Gus. And so when Gus was found out to be this kind of drug kingpin, that was the end of his career. And now the same thing is going to have to happen to, to Hank if he wants to kind of catch Walt, he's going to have to give up his career to do it. So there's just there's so many elements to it that I really really like. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's just such an effective cliffhanger. The one thing I do want to talk about is the layout of the White House. Why <laughs> is there only one toilet and it's an ensuite? So if you need <laughs> if you need to use the toilet, you have to go through the master bedroom to get there. And I was like, I didn't really pick up on this until you watch the next episode and you kind of watch 
Hank kind of leave the toilet and walk down the hallway. And so I'm in my fantastic Breaking Bad book. There's actually a house layout. And I was like, is there oh, a really? second bathroom? And there's not. Um, oh. and we talked about this in another episode, didn't we? About the wasn't the bath scene when what went missing? Like, why is he going like locked? Yeah, in it's really, really weird. So like it would just be to me of like if Walt Jr. needs to take a slash in the middle of the night, he's got to walk through his parents' yeah. bedroom. Like it's very, very strange. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure I probably read something wrong about that. But it does always just make me laugh of like, why would you know? Because immediately I was like, why would Hank go into the ensuite toilet to kind of you know, like he shouldn't even be in this room? But it's because it's the only toilet in the house. And so yeah, it's a, it's a really minor stupid <laughs> point. But it did, like it it just always makes me like wonder the, the layout of this house. It, it wouldn't be our show without questioning toilets at some point, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. But like it's it's um because usually with an ensuite, if that like if you've got a, only one bathroom and it's sort of an ensuite, you kind of have it connected. Right? Like I remember being in people's houses where like it was technically an ensuite, but that was their only bathroom, so like you've got two doors on either way, yeah. right? So like yeah. if I was staying at someone's house and I had to lock like their door as well as that door, um, I've only lived in one house with an ensuite and we had two bathrooms, but like the ensuite was like hidden in the closet. Like, if that makes sense. It sounds gross, but you'd, you'd understand if you saw <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Um. So, yeah, like, that's, that's uh, wow. I love the fact that they've got a layout of their house, though. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it is it the actual layout of the, like, do they film in the inside of the exterior house or is it a different house? The, so, ha- like, the, house-, the, house, the house itself is a, is a set. Um and and but the exterior is an actual house as we've yeah, talked about yeah but, so that, but that, what I mean is that. like they don't like the interior of that house doesn't match the like no they, I wouldn't imagine so no no it was really cool because I and uh, one of them I can't remember one of the um the commentaries I listened to but they were talking about you know there's a scene of somebody on the doorstep and you can kind of actually see actually I think that might have been Jesse's house as a set as well mm. and um you know like you can actually see out. And you know, and you can see the foliage and stuff like they've just like had a the greens master has just like created this outside area so that when you're filming from inside the set of the house and somebody's on a doorstep, it kind of looks like it's an actual outside area. It's pretty cool. I, I mean, I get that's generally how it works, but like it's um, this is weird connection. Kath and Kim, I remember like they would always the actual Kath and Kim house is a real house, and like what they would do is they were like, okay, we're filming a series. They paid the people who owned it. Like here, have fifty thousand dollars and go on a trip to the Gold Coast. And then they were basically like, the only condition is we can all move around this house. However, and they would like, it was everything inside was the real house. So like they would just move things and put things up to make it, you know, suited. So like, it's kind of interesting when they do that with certain shows. I think I saw, did I see a headline again to date when we're recording this, uh, that the um, house that they use for the exterior of Home Alone is now on Airbnb. You can go and stay in the Home Alone house for Christmas. Um which I always love those memes. It's like, what did Kevin's dad do to be able to afford a house with like yeah, 20, yeah, yeah. 20 bedrooms and whatever it is? Um, I think I should- potentially with these houses, I think, um, like, because I know that whole story about Jesse's house, that that started out with, yeah. were, you know, in the first couple of seasons, they were filming inside the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, things changed and they ended up kind of like building a set to replicate. And that's probably, probably similar here of like, actually, you know, they probably started in a real house and then just, you know, so it might be a mirror image of the house, you know, for, that is possible. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's a little bit hard to tell. But, um, but yeah, I, I think from what I see on this thing, it definitely does show only one toilet. So uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Getting to the bottom, no pun intended, of the big issues here <laughs> on the other. Which, like we've talked about before, go to Albuquerque, do these tours. Like um, you'd totally go around and see the exterior of houses. Like I um, 
Oh, was it? Well, I was in San Francisco. I did a city tour, and we went down like we went to the painted ladies, like the famous like sort of coloured houses that they use at the beginning of Full House, and like all the famous San Francisco shows. And then um, we drove past the house they use in the exterior for Mrs. Doubtfire. And as soon as you see it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a house from Mrs. Doubtfire. Like I've seen, seen that movie too many times that I actually know that. So um, kind <laughs> of. And I mean, God, when I went to New York for the first time, I went and found the the exterior places they did of Third Watch. Uh, just because I'm that guy. So uh, there it is. Um, I should go without saying that this final scene is the other top five potential yeah. moment, just uh, just in case people were wondering. Just a couple of trivia things which I find interesting here. Now, uh, I mean, again, you might know this. You usually have this open as well. Did you know there's a pretty big mistake in this episode, Nick, when it comes to something that is said? Even Vince Gilligan came out and said that this was a mistake. Um, no, I don't know that. You'll have to have to... So uh-huh. during the scene when we meet Uncle Jack uh, and they're talking about the prison raids, Todd, uh, Uncle Jack says that this will be more difficult than the raid that killed Osama bin Laden. Now, Osama bin Laden was killed in 2011. This episode takes place in 2009. Ah, well, there you go. Uh, so Vince Gilligan says this is a mistake, although um, it says here, it is possible to explain this away by arguing that Jack is one of many conspiracy theorists that believes bin Laden was taken out before then. That's just somebody on um, Wiki here who's written that. I love how, like... You know, Breaking Bad fans are like, no, Vince Gilligan couldn't be wrong. Like, Vince Gilligan has come out and said it's a mistake. Like, yeah, okay, I fucked up on that one. But even Breaking Bad, no, Vince isn't wrong. This could easily be explained. Um, uh, the nice, other- to, nice to have people that uh, back you up even when you admit you're wrong. That's always quite nice. I know, right? That would be nice if on this show that could happen. Um, <laughs> Don't know anybody about that would do anything like that. Um, there was something here that I found. In, oh, this is one for you. you. You've talked about how you're a bit of a fan of, like, you know, owning things, and if you had money, you'd own props. The uh, the inscribed copy of Whitman's Leave of Grass used on the actual show was sold for $65,500 in 2000 for a book, Nick. Like, if you were rich, would you, would you pay for that? Yeah, I'd put it next to my, um, you know, uh, the, the grill. grill. Yeah, yeah. I'd put that next to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, um, if you're rich, you'd, you'd buy anything you wanted, I suppose. But um, it'd be interesting to know if, like, you know, handwritten kind of copies of this by Walt Whitman exist and if they're worth more or not. You know, it's probably one of those weird things where, like, it's worth more than the actual thing that should have worth, you know? I, I think it would be funny if, like, you went to a bookstore and you saw somebody selling this. So you just you could really, like, practice Gail's writing and just yeah, write it in the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like freak people it'd be, out. It'd be pretty cool. Like if you if you you know opened one of those books at the library and somebody had written that in. I remember somebody sent me something Come on Facebook on, and it was has. like a it was like a banknote from England and somebody had like graffitied the Queen into Heisenberg. The you know like <laughs> that's pretty cool. I saw. I think I posted on my Instagram many years ago. I parked somewhere and it was like the shot of the speed bump, like warning speed bumps, and somebody had drawn on it like a Heisenberg face, like they oh, like yeah. made it like the hats with the glasses. There's always like the cliche, and I love those ones. And you see the stop signs, and it says underneath it "Hammer Time." I always get a bit of yeah, a chuckle yeah. every time I see one of those. Uh, oh, the other interesting thing with the trivia is uh, this episode features several Easter eggs to other episodes. So obviously the fly at the beginning, the yeah. painting. Um, the paper towel dispenser. Um, Lydia mentions the line, we're going to make a lot of money together. The same exact line Tuco said in season one. Uh, I said the the line, the mic line of uh, learn to take yes for an answer. Walt asked Jesse, who's we? Which is a question Jane asked Jesse after pretending not to know him when her dad visits. Jack describes a plan to kill the inmates with the expression boom, 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 which is how Jesse and Walt describe the plan to Tuco. Skyler asked Walt to take a drive with me to go see the cash, just as Gus asked Walt to go see the Super Lab. 
towards the end of the episode when Walt and Co are sitting at the table before it is shown them talking and Junior strolling Holly, it features the exact same pattern as seen in several episodes of season two. It's very stretching it a little bit. Uh, Flynn gets called by Lewis when he's around Skylar, which is a reference to the call he got in the bag in the river. Okay. Didn't pick up on that one, but sure. Bit of a stretch. I thought like you were another day, that, isn't it? <laughs> I thought you were going to say when when um, Skylar says you take a ride with me, it was going to be like a reference to Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I opened last week with saying my name. You want me to close this with? Come on, let me take a ride with me. <laughs> People tuned out uh, last week. Um. All right. Well, again, no more history making potentially here for you. I feel like we're going to break a record, so I'll just start off by saying it's a buy from me. Clearly, I love this episode. I think it's uh, very uh, effective. And uh, again, as we said, it's a mid-season finale. So a lot of people had to wait a whole 12 months to watch this. This would work beautifully as a season finale if they only had done season five, season six. Um, And I'll just jump in here and say, I've got this at number four. Number four. So I've got this just below Better Call Soul and just above the pilot. I've got this as a better episode than the pilot. And you know how much I like my pilot. So... um, (laughs) Yeah, I looked about putting it higher than Better Call Soul, Crawl Space, and Face Off, but I couldn't do it. I uh, love those all on their own, but uh, this is a brilliant episode. You sum it up well. As I said, it's, it is kind of underrated because, I mean, so many episodes get talked about this more over than this one, but this episode, I mean, five potential top five moments. I don't know if we've ever got an episode so far. I think we've easily had a few that have had three or four, but five potential top five moments? Um, great episode, fantastic episode, and I'm going to hand it over to Nick here to maybe create a bit of Oz Network history right now. And none of those five were even a stretch. That's the thing too, eh? Like yeah. it's, it's not like it's, oh, maybe if we get stuck, Bond we could five. chuck that one in. But yeah, no, <laughs> I'll, I'll, look, I'll break the suspense. It, uh, I am going to break a record, I suppose, because it's definitely a buy for me. I mean, it's an amazing episode. Um, I've got it at three, so I've got it right wow. up there too. So I've just got it behind Face Off and Crawl Space. So um, it's right up there. I think what's quite interesting about that is that um, it's it's actually, you know, you just talked about Better Call Saul. It's actually pushed Better Call Saul out of the top, out of my top 10, which means I've got no season two in my top 10 now, which is interesting. Wow. Um, I've, I've got, I think, something from each of the others. Yep, I do. Um, but, yeah, nothing from from season two, which is which is just a, an interesting point to note there as we head into the final stretch. But, yeah, I think it's just, it's kind of got everything you want on an episode, really. It's got, you know, like lots of fun and intrigue and, you know, a little bit of humour. It's got a great little cliffhanger. Um, you know, those those montages are good. It's got, a, it's got you know, a bit of, a bit of um, gruesome kind of blood and guts, if that's your thing as well. You know, I think it'd be hard-pressed to step away from this episode and, and not be satisfied and um yeah i think just you know I, I know we're looking at this as one season but you know if this was a season finale it would be very very satisfying you know like you would you would be really really happy that this you know you'd be pissed off because you'd have to wait a year to see what the resolution of it but um yeah i mean it is it is really a great episode it kind of caps this first half i think of season five particularly well before we kind of make that transition now so it's now going to be a a, you know a real kind of cat and mouse game between between walt and hank as we kind of move forwards um you i you mentioned about having the different seasons in the top 10 i've still got uh every season in the top 10 because better call souls number three for me still so that's interesting. I'm just a random question. I thought I, I think we kind of touched on this, but maybe we can just quickly ask this because obviously, if we were doing this, how most people probably would, and like do a sort of a mid-season recap next week and blah blah blah. If you were to rank this right now, part A, if this hypothetically was season five, and then next week went into season six, 
how do you think this would rank? Like, would this rank higher than any other particular season right now? Like, just putting you on the spot here? I think probably for me, it would definitely still be behind season four. I think season four as a full package is better than the first half of season five. Um, so the, the battle for me would be, is this first half of season five better than season one? Um, which is interesting. You've got a seven-episode se- seven season and an eight-episode season, half season. Um, I think I probably would just nudge this one ahead of season one, but it would be pr- probably closer than most people would probably say. Um, I think the last couple of episodes here have really kind of pushed this up um, because I think kind of some of those episodes in the middle, while I really enjoyed them and I obviously bought all of them, I think maybe they were just a, a little bit slower. But I think these last two, you know, have, have really just kind of knocked it out of the park. Interesting. So you would have that at number two. Yeah, I, I, I probably would... Yeah, see, like, I would still have season four. I agree with you there. But, again, season one, yeah, I don't know. Um, because, I mean, there's, just, again, so much greatness in this that you kind of think, like, well, how could you not? But um, I'm still very partial to season one. So, yeah, I, I would – I don't know. I, I probably would maybe stick to the same, maybe have this at number two. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if I, like, straight away – no, season one to me above it. So Because uh, I think I had two rents in the first half of this season where I only had one rent in all of season one. So I generally play by the averages. So by on that alone, I would have season one ahead. But we should take the moment right now. Nick Chester just created Oz Network history, ladies and gentlemen. So if people don't know what we're talking about, uh, the record for most buys in a row was 18 set by myself uh, back during the Nick Tuck days. I think that was from season three through to season five. Uh, so Nick now has gone 19 in a row, 19 buys in a row, uh, a record, which I feel could almost be extended. I don't know. Like Nick, Nick's also got to weigh up if he's going to do a Ben and do a hundred percent buy rate of an entire season. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm just looking back here. So you rented 38 snub and then you rented fly. So, like, if you had of like not rented thirty eight snub, you'd be on a what's that a twenty four episode streak. And then if you're an idiot and bought fly, uh, you've got to go all the way back to IFT before your last rent. So, were you on the fence with thirty eight snub at all? I can't really remember how no, you were feeling in that one. No, I think with fly I was, um, but it was kind of like I didn't want to be offensive with fly. I wanted to either buy or. Or bin, but then in the end, I ended up renting. I ended up <laughs> fence sitting. Um, yeah, I guess probably for me, I think um, I feel really comfortable about it because I think there isn't any in that kind of season five that I haven't enjoyed. Like, so yeah, they're not all great, you know. Like when I look at my list, there's there's definitely a few of those kind of season five ones are a little bit lower down the buy, you know, um, scale. But actually, they're not that far down, you know. Like I think I'm going down to like 37, 38 are kind of my lowest ones down, you know. So. I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't feel like I'm, you know, I try and call it as I see it. So I don't feel like I've ever been particularly close to renting an, a, a, an episode here, even if I haven't thought they were absolutely amazing. But yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of moving into into where we go next, like you're talking about, um, you know, like is this is this half season better than season one? I know for sure that when we have the discussion, when we get to the end of this, it's going to be, is season five better than season four or vice mm. versa? So mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be talking about one and two here. So um, the the next half season is fantastic. And so that's definitely going to push it into that discussion and away from, is this better than season one? It definitely is better than season one once I think you get the full the full story. So um, that's where I think we're headed. But where I sit with those two, I'm still not entirely sure. So yeah, it'd be interesting to talk that through. Next week, Blood Money. 
Uh, great episode. Uh, I don't think we're really going to be sitting here going bad episode at any point. I mean, Dean Norris is incredible next week. If you ever really want Dean Norris to kind of get more credit uh, deserved, then uh, watch next week. Uh, Skinny Pete and Badger are back, which is kind of cool. I think I'm pretty sure it's next week the Star Trek debate that I randomly love. I think it is, isn't it? I love just this random Star Trek debate. We've got Sol in a bright green shirt next week as well and uh, a pretty uh, effective uh, moment between Walt and uh, Hank, which I won't spoil, but uh, another potential top five moment you'd say next week. So, um, yeah, a lot to... uh, a lot to cover next week based on uh, this big revelation that uh, Hank knows who Walt is now. Yeah, and uh, we're back to another Brian Cranston-directed episode as well, which is always fun. I think, um, you know, a lot of these these kind of key players are getting one last episode. So, you know, obviously the Ryan Johnson episode is the one we kind of remember, but, you know, Brian Cranston gets one and, you know, like all, all kind of like Michelle McLaren's and the likes of them, they, they're all going to get an episode in this last run to kind of um, be able to um, direct as, as we kind of go out the door. So, yeah, I mean, um, I feel like I've got a lot of homework to do that there's so much about this last season that you can find, I think. Because I think, you know, like this episode we just talked about, I think had, you know, just just under 3 million viewers, I think. Whereas, we're, you know, the next episode, we're suddenly going to jump to 5 million, mm. um, almost 6 million, in fact. And so I think actually now... This show is now in the zeitgeist. Now, everyone was like me. They kind of caught up for the last half season. And so suddenly it becomes something that everybody's watching, everybody's talking about. And so if you go and look for Breaking Bad podcasts, you'll find a shitload that cover the last half season. Um, you know, Rob has a podcast jumped in on this at about this point. <laughs> of course, um, they would. <laughs> yeah, so so like there's you know there's lots that kind of jump in and, and get stuck in you know Breaking Bad had its own official podcast at this point. Did you ever watch any of the after show, the um, Talking Bad? No, I think like I was I, I maybe if I was watching it live I would, but even like there's never really been a show I've really I know I know I sit here and create podcasts, but I've never really been one to listen to like even Survivor during the peak of my Survivor fandom. I was never really like I never even watched Ponderosa on CBS. Like it's so no. No, I didn't. Talking Talking Bad's quite fun because it kind of spawned out of AMC. Had the Talking Dead, you know, which is like the mm. after show. Like, and this is a live TV show, not a podcast. Um, and um, Chris Hardwick was um was hosting it, and so they did it, you know, for the for the the second half of season five. And they basically had it was quite weird because they'd have like it went for like half an hour, and it basically it was kind of like a real time capsule because you kind of had like somebody from the show, like the first episode has Vince Gilligan and then like just some random celebrity, like Samuel L. Jackson's on one of them and, you know, like Bill Hader and just like random people that kind of talk about the show and they have people literally phone call into the show. Like it's a TV <laughs> show. And then it's like, they have an Oprah moment where they like give away merch at the end of the show. And it's right in that period where Breaking Bad was selling its merch hardcore. And so like Vince Gilligan's wearing one of the Breaking Bad t-shirts that you could buy on the store. And I remember going, going on and being like oh i should buy a t-shirt i never did but yeah it's quite a it's quite a fun little companion piece to um you know to the to the episode so i'm going to try and watch all of them as we kind of watch the shows and and report if there's anything interesting there but it just kind of shows that suddenly this became a thing you know like it was it was a cult kind of classic up until this point and now it's like it's everywhere breaking bad's massive and and so yeah it's it's a real kind of changing of the guard in terms of how this show is viewed um you know by the general public Vince Gilligan was sitting there counting his money. Like uh, every <laughs> single time you buy a T-shirt, Vince gets some dollary dues. Um, they had these things called fatheads, which I was like, I still don't really know what it, but it's kind of like a big vinyl that you can kind of just take on and off, like put it on your wall or your car. Oh, or yeah, 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 yeah. That was one I, of the things they gave away one week. But, yeah, like I think the second episode kind of has like um, – 
Anna Gunn and Aaron Paul kind of sitting there kind of having a right. conversation, which is quite good fun. It was like, I'm, I'm not opposed to them. It's just, yeah, it's never been something I, I mean, even, like, I, I sometimes even like will watch a sporting match and I might not stick around and watch the analysis afterwards, you know, like yeah. it, it sort of, it, it, it depends really. Um, I just quickly, I would say you're talking about the ratings actually. I, lo- I love this bar chart that they have on, on Wikipedia where you see the levels that the viewers jumped in the second half. It's it's quite incredible here uh, to kind of see the, the number, how much it went up, basically double from this episode to the next episode. So, um, yeah, insane. But that's next week. Blood money in the meantime. Do all the stuff we say at the end here. Like, follow, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we are looking forward to getting to the meaty, meaty goodness of Breaking Bad. Not that we haven't really been here, but, uh, yes, a record-breaking episode. Round of applause for Nick Chester. He is a, he is a Oz Network record holder. Good job for you, sir. Uh, but uh, tune in next week. My name is Ben, and best I can do is queen for a day. And my name's Nick, and uh, I want my life back. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.